Hey, welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. This week on TheRinger.com, it's 1999 Movies Week. Already up on the site, we've released parts one and two of the top 50 movies of 1999. And later this week, Shea Serrano is writing about The Matrix, Andrew Grudadaro is writing about Cruel Intentions, and Rob Harvilla argues why being John Malkovich is the best movie of that year. You can also check out the Big Picture podcast to hear Sean Fennessy, Amanda Dobbins, and Chris Ryan share their top five favorite movies from 1999. Check out those articles on TheRinger.com and listen to The Big Picture wherever you get your podcasts. Basketball is very good. The Wizards underpaid John Wall. AD should re-sign with the Pelicans. The Nets actually won the Celtics trade. Basketball is very good. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. This is the group chat. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> I'm Justin Verrier. Joining me as always, my two favorite MVP candidates, wow. Haley O'Shaughnessy. <laughs> We're but more like one, most improved. Which one are you going to vote for, Justin? <laughs> I can't reveal my ballot just yet. Uh, that's Paolo Getty. Bobby Wagner also here, reluctantly nodding in the background when we say things that he disapproves of. Uh, guys, awards right around the corner. We're about like two weeks away from the end of the regular season. Uh, I think a lot of people are kind of talking around this. They haven't really uh, kind of cemented who they're going to vote for, but... I don't know. I feel like at this point, if something's really going to swing your choice, I, choose I an MVP, you coward. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. That's going to be the title of its podcast. <laughs> that's exactly what we're saying. Um, so we're going to do MVP in addition to a, a lot of other awards. We're going to pick off the traditional ballot, uh, but we're not going to do a lot of the ones that we just don't really see all that valuable. Six Man of the Year award, I think, is just like a total joke award. <laughs> now we call it the Lou Williams award. Right. He's probably going to. Why win do you again. think it's a joke award? Uh, it, it rewards someone for having a flaw, which is like that they refuse to. <laughs> wow, that is incredible. Okay, well, it's like that's the award I, I have to win. <laughs> it's you are the the best player who won't start. Here's the thing. Right. Here's what I will argue argue for that is that on a bunch of other teams, Lou Williams would start. And sometimes it they have to take the L and come off the bench because they're better at it. Yeah, and the so other that thing, sucks. So you're getting rewarded for not having a lot of credit. Right. And you're going up against worse competition most of the time, which is probably why people want to be six men. I mean, not, you if you're the, your not if you're the sixth man, then you're usually coming in first and you get to yeah, think but about still, like Chris Paul. The subs are still kind of coming in and out. You're like you're you're definitely playing more minutes against And I don't mean that players. Chris Paul doesn't start to clarify. I just mean that. Yeah, yeah you know, right. The, <laughs> but six man, you're out. And uh also out defensive player of the year. Just because, what? like, what? this is important. <laughs> I'm very curious about how you decide to choose which awards That's like, like, you care about. We should about. hoist uh, Defensive Player of the Year up because it's so hard anymore to get anyone to play defense. Sure, but it's also boring to talk about. <laughs> That's true. That's fair. That's Literally, true. By like the rigorous process by which we we decided these were, I looked at the awards, thought some were boring and some weren't, and then tossed in some <laughs> other awards and air quotes that we we did a story on last year. Um, so we'll we'll toss those in, but let's start with MVP. It's the big one. Uh, I think what's interesting about the conversation about MVP before we get into actual choices here is that it's slowly devolving into both Harden and Giannis are equally like acceptable choices. They're not for Vegas. I just want to point that out. Interesting, right? Giannis is still the clear favorite. Hmm. It's hard to argue with that because of the formula, right? They're like best team, like best record. Guy who has taken a leap substantial enough to go from star to superstar. It's like it has all the makings of a regular year. I think, like you said, though, the conversation is more like it's putting them more like even. I think that what allows Harden to be in the conversation so much this year is Russ's MVP season. Um, Okay. Because that really set a, I mean, I don't want to say set a precedent because a lot of people were upset about it afterwards and revisionist history says that Harden should have won. But I mean, that was such an extreme case where it was not the typical MVP team. And it was really rewarding this guy for taking a team from what could be very average to good. Mm-hmm. Whereas usually we want a team that's good to great. Right. Well, we usually just pick off the best player and best hard, team. Sure. But with Russ, it seems like it opened the door to other possibilities. I think in, like also happening around that time is like we just know more. Like there's just so much publicly available data uh, you have more people like talking to people on teams who are filling out. This. I do feel like it's a more rigorous process 
uh, to be like a ballot voter because like your vote is public and the people who are talking about this on podcasts are like really like digging into this stuff. So there's almost like a peer pressure to like be as thorough as possible. And it can also affect how much money they get paid in the future, which is insane that we still allow that. Well, I don't know if I would agree that it was because it's because of the Russ season that you're talking about how like he sort of just put up numbers or whatever. I think with Harden, it's more. I don't think it's that he put up numbers. It's not the numbers for me. I don't think it's the triple double. Just the narrative. No, not even that. It's that he, well, I guess, yes, it was their narrative, but not, it's not the, like it was a feel good story. It was insane what he did. Kind of like he carried a team. He literally carried a team that otherwise would have been complete shit. Right. And Harden did that for a good stretch of the year. And it's just remarkable. Yet, I will say like his stretch was far more efficient and thus in 2019 more impressive than Russ's stretch. Yeah, just more points. And just the way I think that he did it in a lot of ways, which wasn't just like, I'm going to accumulate a lot of stats over a course of time, a period of time. Sometimes it would be like he had 50 and like he needed to hit a game winner for them to still win. You oh no, he saying? absolutely had so to like, do it. You know, just he had like more Russ of had these to do sort it. of memorable moments or whatever. I think it's interesting when we talk about like, how do we define, like how are we going to remember that season? Like, I think we are going to remember that season as a Russ you know, Russ's triple double year. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know how we're going to remember this season. Are we going to remember as more of like the Giannis leap or the Harden like absurd scoring run that he's still on? I mean, he's averaging over 36 points. So. I want to yeah. point out that this is also a triple double year for Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I think of he's course, had one yeah. ever, ever since. Yeah. I think this is his third. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that Russ year is interesting because I think it almost became uh, like religion in a lot of ways. Like each one got separated into a specific category where Leonard was kind of like the nerd sheet guy. Russ obviously had the numbers. and mm-hmm. Russ was the eye test guy. Yeah. And, and Harden, Harden was the analytics guy. Right. He kind of yeah. fell in, in the middle. And in retrospect, you could definitely paint guys even more broadly where Russ definitely seems like he was stat padding and all this other stuff. I think it's interesting this year that Giannis and Harden, they blur those lines a little bit. Statistically, yeah. they're both giants. Right. Uh, the difference, I would say, is what you guys were kind of getting at. Harden carried a team that needed him to carry it. He pretty much had to go supernova. He had to become this one-man offense in order for the Rockets to have a chance. And as we've seen over over the past like couple games, past 20 games, the Rockets have ascended when they've gotten a few more pieces around him. They've become a really legitimate challenger to the Warriors. And at a certain point earlier in the season, we didn't even think that like they might make, make the playoffs. That was actually a question at a certain point. With Giannis... I'm at the point where it's kind of like, let's not overthink this. Yeah, he's exactly. The, he's the best player on not only the best team in the league from a record standpoint, net rating wise, they are historic in terms of like, if you look at certain teams, like an above eight net rating is pretty rare. And they are one of those teams. He's also the best defender on the best defense. Pretty good, especially when you compare him to Harden, who is a fine defender. And he's the best offensive player on the third best offense. And he's also facilitating. Yeah, on a team that is now has risen above to finally make him what he can be at his best. Yeah, his the full force of his, you know. Danny wrote skills. a really good piece about Giannis being mm-hmm. um the the chance that Giannis has at being MVP and defensive player of the year, mm-hmm. which I definitely recommend and that hasn't been done. That's only ever been done twice in history. Yeah, and that's a big part of it. I mean, I I just don't think it's as well, we talk about this idea of Heisman moments. Right. That's something we've yeah. talked about all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giannis just doesn't have as many. He hasn't played as often mm-hmm. as Harden. I looked it up. It's about 400 more minutes Harden has played than Giannis, which you don't think about, but like you see Harden more and he's going to be doing things a lot more electrifying than Giannis. Well, right? yeah, because they it's really like do. compare a dunk to like three threes in a row on three consecutive possessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. They, they really do kind of hit all the checkpoints of being sort of this uh, this difference in arguments where it's like you, if you want the guy that sort of like put the team on his back like in a more evident way, then you have Harden who's playing, like you said, 400 more minutes and sort of having to carry this team. Whereas if you want the guy who's just like been if extremely efficient and if he probably played more minutes, like his numbers would be even bigger that's then Giannis is your guy. It's just so interesting to me. Like we always around this time, I feel like we always have a conversation about like what your MVP sec, P, MVP pick says about you or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, it's definitely about how, what you value and how you value it. And I'm really honestly torn because like, you're right. Like in a way 
Giannis is very much like the don't overthink it move, but there's something that's, to me, at least personally, very much appealing about the way Harden plays and what he's done that makes it hard for me to ignore him. Yeah, and they have specific roles too. Yeah. And and that's where like this this big nuance conversation comes in where it's like, well, you don't really need Harden to be your best defensive player because he's doing so much offensively. That's the same as you don't need Giannis to be hitting these threes. I mean, it'd be yeah. great, but, but they And he also is now. Right. Slowly They've surrounded to, yeah. yeah, I mean he's but not not to the degree where like I wrote about Eric Bledsoe as a podium guy. Mm-hmm. We're doing this series it's like who's the not the superstar who's going to be at the podium, but if they yank, a, if they yank, like someone who's a role player. And I wrote about Eric Bledsoe the other day. He, I think he's honestly more likely to take a major last minute shot in the playoffs than Giannis, just because he's hit. He he will hit more shots. He can shoot a three. And in clutch moments, they have been using him all season. Mm-hmm. And so Giannis is not going to have those moments. That's fascinating because I think that's also, again the divide between these two teams is these two players. One is a, a quote unquote big and the other is a wing like slash like perimeter player. And like it, it really is aesthetically like how do you value what do you value? You know, like how do you how can you even compare them? That's a whole nother situation, right? It's mm-hmm. where you're talking about different situations. Whereas like Giannis is like you can't even sort of factor in, like you said, sort of the the clutch the clutch shots, if you will. But he does have clutch moments down the stretch where he just gets to the rim because he can at any point. But with Harden, you have these game winners, like we're talking about the Heisman moments that he's had and these sort of moments that are gonna stick with us, you know, going forward. Yeah. And which is that brings me to the point where it's like I I don't want to be reductive and just be like, let's just give it to the best player on the best team. But at a certain point there's just yeah. like there's so many complicating factors that I have to like I have to make it easy for myself at some point. And like the easiest way to go about it is just to go with like how we've given this award out in the past. Before we give who we're picking here, because I think we're all kind of on the fence, is there anybody else that would be on your ballot or in the conversation here? Uh, I'll just give you the guys that I wrote down here. I picked Jokic as my third guy. Uh, George Paul George is my fourth. <laughs> Paul is like wincing. <laughs> I, I'm not even <laughs> looking up. And, <laughs> I can see Paul wincing. Um, other guys I listed, Joel Embiid, Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant. I went with Jokic over George for two reasons here. Uh, George's raw statistics are insane. He has tw- He's averaging 28.2 points a game. He leads the league in steals. Uh, he's pretty much the reason why the Thunder uh, were in the conversation for the kind of like second best uh, team in the West. Past 12, the Thunder have been bad and George has been not particularly good. Um, I know we've talked about him having an injury, so, but like you kind of can't like divorce that from like what's happening. Yeah. Um, Jokic, on the other hand, they're tied for first in the West right now. Um, and he's just been a, a, a huge factor in that. He has the same number of assists as Harden. And if we're talking about just like historic seasons, like, I looked this up. The, the only guys that have had 20 points, 10 rebounds, and 7 assists are Wilt Chamberlain twice, Oscar Robinson's three times, and Russ three times the past three seasons. So I think, I wonder if Jokic, you flash back to two years ago, and he would actually be the guy I would pick for that season if he had that. So I don't know. Does any of these people make a compelling pace? Uh, I think you have to here? mention them out of respect, yeah. but not for serious Well, it's Well, it's a two-man conversation. But I think as far as like rounding out the next... Uh, the rest of the ballot, like, I would still keep George third. I would, I really think Embiid, if we're going to think about the MVP award in a way where it's like, what guy, when you remove him from the team, it becomes a totally different team. And like, they just need him so much, so badly to even be the team they're supposed to be. That I feel like Embiid fits that so much because once you know, if he doesn't play or he's injured or whatever, their, their threat level, if you will, goes down substantially mm-hmm. with the Sixers specifically. So I, I would give him maybe a little more love than he's getting. The Curry-Durant thing is so hard because like they're just... They're together, yeah, so it's, it's hard to pick either one of them. I, I feel bad sort of punishing them for that in a way, but it's just like, it's hard when Curry maybe hasn't played. I mean, he's played 62 games, so it's not like he's missed a whole bunch of time, but yeah. I, I mean, want, yeah, could, I also want to, that's actually a lot. And I, like, in my opinion, that's a lot. Yeah. And then Embiid's played 61. Right. So yeah, I'm sure that also factors in. Yeah. The one thing with Curry, uh, <laughs> I was just going over the stats last night. Uh, his effective field goal percentage is basically the same as Giannis's, which is insane. It's basically like their shack, but Curry is doing it from three point land. Uh, 
I don't know. If Curry had played enough games, I think he would be right in the thick of things. It's always disappointing because he just missed like 10 games and they're always at the worst time of the season. And so it really just knocks him off. Um, if I were to pick a ballot, just so I had those four guys, I would probably throw Curry in there over Durant, even though Durant's played almost 10 more games. I think the free agency thing and just how that's loomed over that team has to play a factor. Do you factor that? Like, I'm, I'm just wondering, because, you know, with somebody like Kyrie, for example, like him being this very mercurial figure. Yeah, I think a little bit. I think in all NBA, I would. Uh, I think we hold it against Jimmy Butler. Like at a certain point, we just right, like he didn't said, make the All-Star. yeah, and we were just like, Jimmy Butler doesn't exist this year. <laughs> Even those numbers are pretty good. Uh, so I think a little bit. Would you guys? Yeah, I mean, you. it's it's part of this season, right? In a lot of ways. And if you can connect the dots and see how that's affecting a team or whatnot, then yeah, I feel like it's be hard to ignore. Right, it's like I can't how be it's like a cold a machine and sort of be like, no, I only care about like PR. <laughs> Pablo with the robot <laughs> I don't maneuvers know. I in was the studio. To do robot hands. Yeah. Kind of happened. That was great. <laughs> All right, so circling back, who is on the top of your ballot? It's not even. I'm not on the fence like you guys. It's totally Giannis. Harden passes the eye test. Like when I watch him, I'm like, God, this is incredible. This is historic. Like I can tell this is something that I will talk to my kids about. As in, like. Get off yeah. my fucking lawn. You have no idea. Like, I watch this. The Greek and I, I know. Yeah, I can tell. Like, I know that I'm watching something historic and it's insane and incredible. And he deserves a lot of kudos for that. But when I watch Giannis, like, that is the complete eye test. And I'm not, like, super... I'm, like, pretty Mike Wilbonny, bill E like that. I don't... I, like, analytics, if we're, like, pitting their percentages against each other like that's if they're super close that's like really not the deciding factor for me at all yeah and Giannis is just all the time passing Mm -hmm. the eye test like every minute he's in the game and then when he's out of the game as well I mean it's just like no question to me Mm -hmm. he's completely dominated not only the east which is interesting because I, I would totally say that he's separated himself or that he's separated the team as the best and also as the best going forward. And it's just exciting to see that this guy's like risen up and that his team's risen around him. But I, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be all takey, but just given the state of the warriors and given what they've done, I think that they'll give them a serious issue. Yeah. I will say there's a sort of an argument that you could make that, Giannis is like a beneficiary of the the Budenholzer like revival of the Bucks, but I would like my counter. Well, he is, that, but it's like what he deserves, yeah, well, you know. Well, it's what he deserves. It's also like you still have to do it. Like you still have to put up those numbers, and it's not like Harden is not in the system himself, right? Like that's another thing too. Granted, for a right. period of time, he kind of just had to go out there and shoot the ball a bunch of times, which you know. Um, I also applaud him for that because it's like. Think about Ben Simmons won't even do it because he's fucking embarrassed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he knows he can't shoot, mm-hmm. and yet. But in the playoffs, though, Mike was. But in the playoffs, <laughs> he's gonna whip it out. <laughs> but Mike was like, "Please, like, just try to shoot." Everyone's shooting around you, and he said, "I have to do this to help the team, and eventually, I'm gonna have to learn how to shoot." Mike Wilbon. No, but <laughs> okay. My guy, but <laughs> just checking. So, wait, who are you going with, Paul? I think everything makes sense about. Oh, what you're I, I can see it coming. <laughs> he's the he's the sensible pick. Personally, what but I you're not sensible. <laughs> no, I'm not. Sure, fine. Personally, my deciding factor. You know how you talk about like not being like numbers not being your deciding factor, or whatever. Like my deciding factor is those things that we were just talking about. Like those kind of moments of like what I'm gonna remember, like. Five years from now. And to me, I'm going to remember that Harden had this incredible stretch of 30-point games and also just like these 50-, 60-point performances. So that might give him the slight edge for me, but it's like very slim. You know, like I know that everyone's talked about this since whatever, for like a decade, but there really should be a separate award for like, holy shit, the holy shit award. You know what I mean? And that should go to Harden because it's just like, look at what he's done. Yeah, it's almost like we should differentiate between like who's the best player and who like... Is, like was the story of the season. Right. I don't know yeah. how you would define that. But, right. Uh, I would go Giannis for similar reasons to Haley. I think there's a possibility 
that we'll look back on this season and we'll see like what Steph Curry was in like 2013, 14, or like right before they really put it all together and the Bucks were like the next big thing in the NBA. Now it's disappointing because they've lost all these guys. They're pretty much down to like clutch George Hill at a certain point uh, just because like their wing depth is, is now depleted. Uh, so it's disappointing going to the playoffs, but I think just in terms of a regular season, I think the season has been about the Bucks. It's been about Harden as an individual, but the Bucks are the team. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think a, that we'll all remember. Point. But as we said before, there uh, still a few games left, and you're if you're the type of person who needs those games, not us. Uh, <laughs> they're, uh, they're, they're st- the Rockets are still out there playing, and Harden can keep padding his stats. I think it's interesting if he does get over 37 points. He's at 36.4 right now, so uh, slim chance. I mean, I've read about unlikely. it before, but that is there has been Jordan and Chamberlain both did not win the MVP. I mean, they did win MVP when they averaged over those, but they also did not. Mm certain years too so the points thing like that in history that hasn't actually mattered every single time right well if you want to watch Harden tonight uh they're playing against the Rockets at 5 p.m pacific on NBA TV uh that's a good matchup I'm, I'm still curious about the Nuggets as they go forward here they still have a yeah. little bit more to prove the Rockets are pretty much just trying to feed Daniel House to the point where uh, he <laughs> becomes it. a playoff performer uh but Harden will is always good on a stage uh and that's going to be our watch of the night uh, for tonight. That's Bobby's favorite segment. If you want to watch every NBA game, subscribe to NBA League Pass on NBA.com or your local cable satellite or OTT provider. Uh, pivoting off of the MVP discussion, we have a few other ones that are kind of tangential. Uh, we did this piece last year where it's pretty much just the other awards, so not the non-traditional ones. And the one that I thought was interesting at the time was the most with less so basically the best player, but the best player on an, a so-so team, it's pretty much the Anthony Davis award because like for five years, it was basically like, why can't they just give him more help? Uh, even though they're playing better without him now. So real, real ironic stuff. Um, let's go, Haley, who, who would you pick for this one this year? Well, I mean, we just were talking exactly about how hard and kind of fit this, mm-hmm. but I think that a team that's had even less help and has had less help for as long as Anthony Davis has been having this run too is Kemba Walker. Mm-hmm. And he's not had quite the season Harden's had, obviously. But I would still choose him. Just be, I think more because of the complete lack he's surrounded by. Second guy is Jeremy Lamb. Okay, yeah. So this is my favorite thing to do with the Hornets. I do this often with people. Can you name the second best Hornet? It's you Jer- think it's Lamb? It's Jeremy Lamb, yeah. Paul, who do you think the second best Hornet is right now? <laughs> I wish I really wish I could say Malik Monk, but that's not the case. No, it's definitely not. Definitely not the case. Uh, yeah, Jeremy Lamb. I think so. I looked this up statistically. It's actually Cody Zeller. If we're going oh, specifically right. by Forget net rating, he's not even playing right now because I think he's hurt. Uh, third is Dwayne Bacon. So like Bizarro, <laughs> like Malik Dwayne Monk. Bacon. Dwayne Bacon had twenty four the other what night stat against the Spurs. Are you saying? Is I think he's net rating. Best. Net rating. Net rating. Oh, I see. These guys actually have better net ratings than Kemba, which, I mean, net rating gets really uh, dense. Right, with and, individual players. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's a little tough. And then Marvin Williams is third. Uh, so, th- all right, second game I want to play with the Hornets, another of my personal favorites. Can you name the Hornets starting lineup in their most recent game? Okay. Kemba. Kemba. Uh, Jeremy Lamb. No. He's not. Oh, so man. So they have. Wow, I messed up that quick. They went youth. Pretty recently, and so they've they've right. tried to like work some of these okay. guys in. So Bacon Monk, Bacon is is starting at the two. Monk is not. Monk Bridges. is not good. Bridges, right? Um, Frank Kaminsky. Nope. Come on. Although Frank's numbers have been good recently. <laughs> so what <a> <laughs> check out for what check out my guy. Sentence. What do you mean like good? Well, I, I don't know. Like passable. <laughs> Define good. <laughs> He's probably played like five minutes. I have minutes no idea anybody else under like. So Marvin Williams. Bismack. Oh, but isn't that Bismack? Is Mac Biombo. So going young the Big Mac. And yet. Well, what's funny is I think this is like uh like the G League version of like a, a progressive 2019 lineup. You have like some stretchy guys, you guys who could theoretically shoot. You have like some positional flexibility. Biombo's your shot blocker. It's like it's basically like low rent Houston Rockets. <laughs> Real low right rent. Houston Rockets. Right Houston <laughs> Rockets. Yeah. Um but yeah, to, tastes a little funny, but, but hey, <laughs> we're gonna just get through it. You're on a budget. But I hate has ice cream, so there's a, there's a lot to be Good gained there. Is it thrifties? The, the I've never had it before. It, I, I it's literally called thrifties. 
I used yeah. to have it as a kid. It was pretty. It's pretty good. It's a good point. I never thought about that. Thrifties. <laughs> Thrifties. Yeah. You want to eat ice cream? Called I'm just Thrifties. saying it's not. It's 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 good. Uh, we're never going to get right as a sponsor now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I picked Kemba too. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the points that he's basically second or third team All NBA sort of guy, and like he's carrying this team. They've won their past four. They beat the Spurs in overtime. Um, there's just a lot to like about there. Paul, right. do you have anybody else you want to throw? Well, in there? Harden's the answer, but I, as far as some, somebody else. I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, but can I give this to a whole team mm-hmm. like the Pacers? <laughs> I feel like they've oh, just yeah. done the most with the less. Like watching them a little bit against the Thunder last night, you're like, who is supposed to like kind of carry this team right now? And somehow like they're they're they, the Celtics they, last year. Yeah, that's a good comp. But yeah, yeah, that's true. But even then, they still had probably like guys like Tatum who sort of had that. I don't know that mentality of being like, and I just don't. I don't know who that guy is on the Pacers, which is fine. I mean, they're still the fourth seed, and they're you know. Can, can I tell have, you who that guy is? Are who, you gonna say Miles Turner? No, I'm gonna say Boyan Bogdanovich. Yeah, that's true. Cause old I Jason Tatum him. is that how I refer to him since old Victor Oladipo. <laughs> since, since Victor Oladipo went out, because I have him listed here, twenty one point three points. 50, 40, 80 shooting, 4.2 rebounds. The paces are 13, 50, 15. 50, 40, 80. Yeah. Pretty good. If you would have read my article. <laughs> in there, 50, 40, 80. You, know, you know I don't listen. I just glaze over stats. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, I have a Paolo. Google Chrome login that just blurs them out. <laughs> I love the stat blocker. Uh, Paolo did write about him on the site. Podium another guys, another yeah. guy uh, we've had the podium guy. I think he's he fits yeah. this perfectly. Uh, other guys I listed, Blake Griffin. That's a good one. But he has some other... Players on his team, Drummond has has been a little bit better. Ish Smith is is a god. Yeah. I love Ish Smith. <laughs> and Luke Kennard, Paolo's favorite player. Oh gosh. Uh another guy I, I wrote down here, Lori Markinen, only played 52 games. And I don't know if you saw this yesterday. They shut him down for extreme fatigue, which is pretty hilarious considering that Jim Boylan's whole thing is he's just like running people into the ground. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I feel like we're gonna look back at this year, like talk to Lowry in like five years and it's like the mental duress of that year. Like <laughs> did the, he the do the most race. though? I mean, he had the least, but did he do the most? Probably not, but he's had a good season. Vucevic, that's another one I'll throw out there. Vucevic is also a good one. So you guys are going hard in. Yeah. Yeah, for that one specifically, yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> I almost wonder if he has too much though. Too much help? Yeah. Um. I mean, he does He does play with a guy named You Chris were Ball. just talking about Daniel House. <laughs> Dun- like, Do know. we say Daniel or is it Daniel? Daniel. I think I, I like saying Daniel. I thought it was Daniel. Is it? Oh, it might be Daniel. Maybe. I don't yeah, really watch games right, with the sound I guess you're right, though. He has Cap- Capella in a way, too. And like Chris Paul's now back. So, that's yeah. a big three. Kemba, as we... You're not watching these players only? One. <laughs> you're not listening to the players only no no Never. I think Kemba might be the right pick I honestly when yeah. they do the the post game like walk off interview oh, I, I have to mute it immediately <laughs> yeah. because I get so like you know that when you're watching a movie and it's like an embarrassing moment I can't watch those because it just like it, it gnaws at me like, like secondhand embarrassment? Yeah, secondhand from embarrassment. Those? Yeah. Why? From the because they're just like there's such stupid questions and there's such stupid pointless answers. I can't do it. Anymore. It's like you yeah, you could literally just make it up. <sighs> you could probably get because it's always like one of five things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just so crazy. What was going through your mind when you took that last shot? And like it's I a was tough just thinking job. we gotta win, man. <laughs> it's a tough job. It like was I don't a team know what effort. you ask in those situations where you can get a good it's answer. It's a really Taking hard a game job. by game. It's Sometimes just, uh, they'll go like they'll just think with the defense mention a specific scheme me. and you know wh- why you switch to that. But unless you're like interviewing the coach, and unless that coach is not grumpy or and or Greg Popovich, you won't usually get a good answer. Brad yeah. Stevens gives good answers. Yeah, very he thorough. Does. Yeah, analytics based and they're specific. Yeah, yeah. that's nice. Yeah, He's he just good. seems like a nice guy. Nice guy, Brad Stevens. Group yeah. chat only. Tough time for him. Let's, let's, let's get that going. <laughs> Jesus. Um, all right. W- let's try to group chat only. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be terrible. We should just. That would be awful. We should just have on the site just like a the group chat between Haley and Paulo as they're watching games. Oh, I God. was honestly like, I want to do a live reading of our actual group chat of sure. our actual texts back and forth because like there's some bizarre and brave takes. Yeah, Listen, far braver than we will ever in the like, bl- bring to between this the table. blue bubbles. Like <laughs> between the blue bubbles, we're always looking for content, guys. <laughs> uh, all right, let's hit this one last one, uh, kind of tangential to MVP. Right before we go to this break, uh, this is called the best player in the world belt. Now it was way more relevant 
when it seemed like LeBron was the best player in the world, or at least that's how we described him, even though he did not have the best individual season. Now it's a little bit more muddled. LeBron, uh, as we'll get to later, might very well be washed. I'm literally going to tear up right now. I can like feel it coming on. This is so embarrassing, but it's not LeBron. Yeah. It's just not LeBron this season. Oh, fuck. I like am going to start tearing up. It's Kevin Durant. Are you actually? Yes. Yeah, I love you. Really this is my childhood, but yeah. It's like I'm tearing up. It's we, Kevin Durant. Like yeah. it's we, we you watch him stuff. the last like two games. <laughs> On group chat. Yeah. I would I would I thought I was gonna be the the one with the Kevin Durant answer. I think I know it's 100% because Kevin you guys Durant. know me, but it is like you watch no, him no, and no, no. he but, can totally he can just totally dominate, take over a game like absolutely nobody else can. Yeah, it's Kevin Durant. I mean, there's just natural his natural advantages, like Physical, for yeah. his position, and right. that puts him over Harden for me. And there's a, his experience, and that puts him over Giannis for me. Mm-hmm. What, I think that it could very well be Giannis in like you know it could when, switch to Giannis way faster than it's going to switch from LeBron's reign. Nobody's going to hold that title as long as LeBron has for a very long time. Yeah, the talent around the league is too good for that. It's to, too to good. It's too spread guy. out. Maybe this next year we will feel foolish for ever saying this and LeBron will come back. And, you know, there's sure. a lot of, if he has more around him and he doesn't have to play, I mean, that's the thing is he has to do so much and he's just older than these guys. He's just older and he's more worn down and he's right. had to play the most minutes in the league right. last whereas, year and in the playoffs. Whereas Durant, I think he's they've sort of been limiting his minutes lately and he's only, I think he's taken like and 16 shots Steph in the last Curry two games. And he also around him. Missed, he's like, got Clay Thompson next to him. Like, yeah. he he has the opportunity to do more in the minutes because he doesn't have to stretch himself so thin. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it's, Kev- Do you, yeah, it's Durant, Kevin Durant. Durant, um, his numbers. His raw production has taken a, a little bit of a hit, but efficiency wise, I think he's uh, just as like has had he's his missed second two best shots shooting, over the last yeah. two games, which is insane, especially coming off of his recent and, injuries. You know, I really I don't think that not to like keep going on about the numbers thing, but you I really don't think that his numbers should factor in as much as maybe for any other player, simply because he plays with one of the best players in the league, right? Mm-hmm. A top five player yeah. right next to him. The way I they have at, to take a hit. The way I look at this one where it's like, okay, who's the best player? I I factor in a little bit of like projection, if you will, because you watch them play and you see who is going to stop this guy in like a setting where they do have to go all out and play 40 minutes. And it's like, there's nothing that anybody can do to stop yeah. Durant. I guess the counterpoint there, and I don't necessarily disagree, is just even though Durant has been the most dominant player in the past two finals, it f- still feels like the Warriors are Steph Curry's team. And it feels weird to give that sort of distinguishment to like someone who's maybe not the most important player on his own team. It's interesting because, you know, when he went, something that he said was that he, the, the start of the season afterwards was that he didn't want to be the guy. Mm-hmm. And then I think a lot of the reports around him being unhappy and Golden State wanting to leave are that he's upset that this isn't his team. I think that Durant's mentality is really complicated. And he's had a complicated time dealing with his public image ever since he left OKC. But, you know, that was very much by design. He went to Golden State because he didn't have to be the guy. And he was tired of doing that. And Mm -hmm. he said that. And then he's, like, surprised that he's not. Yeah, it's weird. I I think it's one thing maybe to say it and to to kind of want to take the back seat to be the ball movement guy, to to be the, the team guy, but then you have all these competing forces saying, like, you are the best player in the world. Which, by the, the way, yeah, the he's, I mean, I mean, the most fun thing to watch him is his scoring, but yeah. he's also, like, a really good facilitator for them. And good defensive player. Yeah. Good defensive player. He does everything. I mean, great defensive player. I do think, yeah, he can it do is everything that he could be on, if he was on any other team, I don't think, I don't, I think this would be more obvious maybe why, like that he is the best player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. That's probably, I don't know if he's thinking this and this is why he may want to leave it, you know, but, but it's very much like this is the very specific situation where you are the best player in the league, but you might not be the best player on your team, which is so weird. Well, I think also a factor is like, I, it's hard for me to say this about a professional athlete because it makes me sound like a jackass, but like, <laughs> He doesn't have the fire some guys have. He sure. doesn't have the fire that peak LeBron had. 
oh God, past tense. It's hard. But like, imagine if he had Russ's mentality in his body with but his skill set. I think we've seen that. He just saves no, you it for the very that. important moment, you see which that, is like the finals. But it's not all the time. And Russ's mentality well, is all the time. I don't mind that as much. Like, I don't think we can sort of, dem- not demand, but like sort of expect these guys to be like Russell Westbrook level of like, no, you, you can't, know, but it makes him harder to to choose as the definitive best person. And also, yeah. that's why there's the complication with Steph being the best player on his team. But Steph isn't like that all the time either. You know, he's not like super, you know, whatever you're describing. I think what I'm Russ. just trying to say is that he's not dominant all the time. So it's not an obvious answer. Right. And my point is like, maybe I think that's more the context, right? Which is like, if that's why like I'm very excited to probably see him on another team. Yeah. To see what, you know, how that. Sort of With goes. someone who's still skilled and still can, you know, put up numbers alongside him like Kyrie, but is very clearly not as good as he is. Yeah, the only yeah. other guy I would put up here would just be Harden. I, th- I think that's the distinguishment I would make yeah. between Giannis being MVP and Harden having such like a dramatic effect on this season. It does feel like he is the player of the moment. And he's another guy, I think, if we're looking back five years from now, which I think is an interesting way to kind of look at these sort of award races, he's now had two number two finishes in the MVP award ballots and he's won one. I think there's a, like we could look back a couple years from now and say like, and say it was really disrespectful. Yeah. yeah. And then like, Harden he's basically of, like prime Kobe. Like this is Harden's right. prime Kobe yeah. years. Kobe I did think about that when I, <laughs> Kobe, was, Kobe never, was good, man. No, he was, but he was never the best player in the league. No. At what point was he ever the best player the in the most, league? The he was best probably, player? The best player. He probably had the belt if we're making right. different dis- like yeah. distinguishments. Yeah. I think like he definitely had a belt for a few years. What years was he the best player in the league? I don't know. I'd have to go back and do the, the research. Don't, okay. don't put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get back to some of the other awards including Rookie of the Year. Today's Ringer MBA show is brought to you by Stitch Fix. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories to fit your body, budget, and lifestyle. I was online the other day. I didn't have my ad blocker set up, and all of a sudden, I saw Stitch Fix show up, and I I saw these clothes, and I was like, oh, those are pretty nice. Maybe I should check those out. I went to the site. It was a really easy sign-up experience, and I can't wait to get my Stitch Fix box sent to me. Uh, Stitch Fix can help you find your new favorite piece of clothing. Just go to stitchfix.com slash MBA and tell them your sizes, what styles you like, and how much you want to spend on each item. You'll be paired with your very own personal stylist who will handpick five items to send right to your door. Then try them on, pay only for what you love, and return the rest. Shipping, exchanges, and returns are always free. There's no subscription required. You can sign up to receive scheduled shipments or get your fix whenever you want. Stitch Fix's styling fee is only 20 bucks, which is applied toward anything you keep from your shipment. Get started now at stitchfix.com slash MBA and you'll get an extra 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. That's stitchfix.com slash MBA to get started today. Stitchfix.com slash MBA. Today's show is also sponsored by ADT, Real Protection. When it comes to something as important as your family's safety, you deserve real protection from ADT. Real Protection means the nation's number one smart home security provider is standing by and there for you when you need them. Real Protection means having a safe and smart home with everything from video doorbells, surveillance cameras, smart locks, lights, carbon monoxide, and smoke detectors in a system that's custom designed to fit your lifestyle. And setting up custom automations to do things like lock the doors and set the thermostat when you leave. Real Protection means staying safe on the go, in the car, or when your kids are at school with the ADT Go app and SOS button. Real Protection means 18,000 employees safeguarding you. Real Protection means direct connections with first responders. No matter how you define safety for you, your family, or your business, ADT is there. ADT Real Protection. Visit ADT.com slash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. Okay, before we move on, Bobby did mention 0506. And I think that might be the one I'd concede on. He led in points. With it's Kobe. just Kobe. Yeah. It's more of like Harden's reign now or even Steph's, but I'd, he's, he'd be more Harden. Yeah. Listen, I'm, I, I don't want to be a Kobe apologist, but it's the sort of, it's the mellow thing where it's like the longer we get away from his peak, we start to view it a little yeah. bit more uh, gloomily, <laughs> I, yeah. I guess. But um, that's fair. I'll take, I'll take five, six. Yeah. There you go. 
It was probably shorter than like like Zealot Laker fans would like it to be. I guess that would be kind of the fair interpretation. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, all right, let's go to Rookie of the Year, probably the other most hotly contested one. Um, yeah, because it's... Isn't that hotly contested? Yes, it is, because oh, like... No, Paolo, people are, no, people are directly on every... Like, there are two sides. Yeah, so this is a two-man race yeah. yet again. Uh, Luca and Trey. Uh, Luca has been good pretty much all season. Trey had a pretty rough start to his career, including... Uh, November, where he shot uh, below twenty percent. Trey three. is the Donovan this year. I think that's a, that's a great comparison. Yeah, uh, and Luca's the Simmons, except for well, no, I mean he actually has had years under. His, I mean, Luca has dropped. He off. has experience, just like Luca has dropped off shooting wise. I think he's had a, a couple of bad shooting months, and so and that's happening as the same either on the same time as Trey has really put his game together and sort of been having this like thirty point ten assist game. So it's been an interesting sort of juxtaposition i think in that sense right um overall though the numbers are, are pretty similar luca 69 games played uh 21 points seven rebounds six assists uh still negative net rating which goes to show you like when everyone's wants a rookie to come in and, and contribute right away to winning basketball pretty much never happens uh I don't know why I said that, but that's a side change for you in case you're wondering. <laughs> uh, Trey Young, 18.9 points, 3.6 rebounds, 7.9 assists, which is fourth in the NBA. Uh, that's obviously uh, one of his big advantages over Luka and a minus 5.8 net rating. Uh, I think the big thing here is also just the team perspective. Uh, the Mavs started off hot. We thought they might be a potential playoff team before they tore things down, uh, added Kristaps Porzingis and basically just punted the mm-hmm. season. It's interesting that Luca's stats pre-trade and post-trade are pretty interesting. But as you guys were referring to, uh, just the efficiency is down. The, the raw production is up probably because he's getting more opportunities. There really isn't anyone yeah. competing for those anymore. It's pretty much just like him and Trey Burke, just like going to war. Right. Uh, not that fun to watch, but you know, uh, Luca has some moments. Efficiency-wise, yeah. though, he is down, including three-point percentages at 29% since the trade, 67% from the free-throw line, which is pretty alarming for a guy who's yeah. going to make his career off of his shooting for the most part. Uh, Trey, on the other hand, since the All-Star break, which is only tw- 17 games, he's just been insane. Uh, 25.8 points, 4.9 rebounds, 9 assists, which is incredible, uh, 45, 40, 87 shooting, and a 2.9 net rating. Uh, the Hawks, in particular, have been really good. And so I wonder how much we're kind of swayed by how well the Hawks are playing and how much credit we should give Trey for that. Do you guys have any strong feelings on that? I, I think, think Paolo does more than I do. No, no. I, I mean, I think it's interesting to note that at the beginning of the season, Luca was playing with you know, like a decent group of guys like Harrison Barnes and DeAndre Jordan. So he had like a better team around him. Whereas like Trey was playing, you know, with this group of young guys that the Hawks are trying to sort of build around. And Luca was coming in sort of with his expectations and because he sort of met them and like really like went above and beyond, he became very quickly like the guy or whatever. And I do think that maybe the Hawks second half success is something that's factoring into how we were talking about this because but at the same time in the in the end like when we look back at other rookie of the year um awards and whatnot like sometimes it's just been like most of the time it's been good numbers on a team that you know like you said the rookie doesn't impact winning that much right i do think trey has impacted winning in the second half a good bit but just because of the way he's keyed everything around like with the team just specifically with his passing and that i think has sort of giving them a very bright future or, or a glimpse of what that future could look like, right? I mean, it's his first year and there's already kind of like a system in place that that is thriving or that is showing, you know, positive signs. Right. And you spent some time around yes. the team recently. I, I think we're fine saying. Yeah. Um, it seems that way, like that the yeah. guys kind of feed off of him. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think there's a very interesting thing where he sort of takes more pride in setting people up than in necessarily scoring himself, which is interesting when you think about how he was perceived in college as kind of this uh, Steph Curry model. Mm-hmm. But he really just enjoys the fact that he can play make for for teammates. And and really, that's what the Hawks are valuing value in him more and what they want to build on. So, you know, it's it looks very... I don't know, positive, I guess, in that sense. Right. And and even though that is not what we think of with Steph, like that kind of joy that spreads from him yeah. is also very Steph-like. Definitely. I guess the point 
here is, it, I mean, he's eighth among Hawks in net rating, even during their big stretch, which is like they're eight and nine, which is pretty incredible. That's pretty much like they're the Nets, uh, which who are they are the baby Nets for sure. They are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I go back to the fact that Luca has been pretty consistent throughout, which is tough as we've we've said constantly, just as a rookie or just like any player. Uh, and it really is just like his context has changed. So I don't know how much I would fault him for that. For me, it's pretty simple. Luca, I mean, Trey deserves a lot of credit for everything that you just said, Paolo. Mm-hmm. But Luca just transcends being a rookie. And that's the rookie of the year for me. Team success, just inherently by the nature of rookie of the year, because these top draft picks go to bad teams typically— Winning hasn't mattered as much in the past. You know, the you can think about the Wiggins and uh, Carl Anthony Towns years. <laughs> <laughs> right. But what, yeah. It's, what years they were. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. But it's it's Luca for me just because he simply transcends being a rookie. Yeah. It's interesting. This might be one of the best rookie of the year races we've ever had just because yeah. these two guys not only putting up numbers, but having a dramatic impact on the shape of the season. Uh, I don't know. I, I would lean Luca. For the reasons that we kind of described here, Paulo, are you going Trey? Sure, yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> go with it. And you're going Luca, yeah. Haley. Um, I do think it's interesting just because if Luca and Trey weren't here, I think DeAndre Ayton would have a really good shot at this. He's put up big numbers for again a, a pretty bad Suns team. Um, the inconsistency is just too much to overlook. Yeah, and I also think that we do knock him for the defense more than we would Trey, just because a big needs to be a better defender than right. Trey, who like. Even at his best is probably going to be the Your best ceiling defender. is so much yeah. shorter if you can't play defense right. as a big than it is a guard. Right. True. There are well, many I guards think, right now. Though, that it is interesting. Not that we need to like nitpick rookies, but all three of these guys have defensive. You know, you know, maybe right. need to make defensive improvements for you know in some way or form because right now we're focusing very much on what they can do on offense. Defense is so two years ago, man. I mean, hey, so I would love to Pistons. live in that world, but that's just not the case. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. Uh, I think that's interesting. I also think what I have down here is which rookie would you rather have five years from now? Uh, okay, not to be a hater, but it's Luca. Like the just because the style that Trey plays, this like aspiring Steph Curry style, in both the sense that he, you know, we think of him as a shooter. We thought of him like in that sense since college and the facilitation will continue to enter this league. There are going to be a lot of people trying to be Trey Young and like kids are growing up right now and that's the style they're playing. I don't know when, I don't know if you guys have any young siblings and you go to their games, but or cousins, you guys don't have young I, siblings, but yeah. I mean, it's kids are growing up and they're going to continue to play that style. Whereas like Luca is such an anomaly already and we'll just continue to be that five years from now. I mean, think about how, professional he looks right now Mm -hmm. you know he just he's like came in and he was nba ready five years from now he's gonna dominate we're gonna be saying like wow i can't believe he's only however old he is yeah i do think we sometimes assume that development is linear whereas like they're gonna just keep getting better and that's not always the case you know i think one example we could talk about is jason tatum and sort of we expected him to take another small leap this year and he's sort of been kind of up and down but in general, I I agree with you. I mean, he he came into the NBA so NBA ready because he was you know playing at a high level in Europe too. But I'm very curious to see how him and Porzingis fit and what the Mavs want to do with them mm-hmm. because like, I think if you if you just straight up tell me which which one would you rather have, it'd be hard not to say Luca. But if you talk about the context and the situations of either team, I do like what the Hawks are building in terms of the style they want to play and sort of the types of players they want to get in That's there. true. I will add, though, that the Mavs have no problem getting rid of what doesn't work. And, like, Luka sure. is very clearly their guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think team but that's context a good point. plays a big factor in this. And I think the Mavs, not only do they have Kristaps, but I wonder what they're going to do in free agency because if they forego their pick this year and give that to the Hawks as a result of that Trey Young trade, uh, maybe they go big game hunting. I mean, uh, we just did a piece Kevin O'Connor did about Kemba Walker. And one of the things he, he dropped in there is that like a lot of teams expect the Mavs to go hard after Kemba. And so now I wonder, yes, he fits with Luka. And I think they put together a really good team with Kemba, Luka, and Kristaps. But are you diminishing Luka and not really giving yeah, him... Yeah, man, I just want right. them to get another guy on the wing. Yeah, they just need a better wing to pair, you know, to have that sort of Biggish three, if you want to call it that, and that's the thing. Is like I, I mean, granted, I 
from talking to the Hawks, you sort of get what their plan is and you get a sense of how they want to be patient, but also like, like what they're building and think that's has got a bright future. So I don't know. I can't speak for the Mavs, I guess, in that sense. But I do think the Hawks are maybe more, are built to be more patient and sort of like take very specific care of the way they're rebuilding their team. As yeah, opposed to totally the Mavs, I could nets. see being like, let's win now. Right. Yeah. And I think that they are. I just had a, uh, thought. Imagine if they got Clay Thompson. The Mavs? Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, that would be awesome for them, but it's because I'm like, he's sleeping. Golden well, State. I mean, depends on how, how he feels about no state taxes, you know? True. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I, I look at this kind of like, one, I w- like where the game is going. I think both guys really fit that. And also, wh- whose game is kind of recession-proof in a way. And it seems like Luca, regardless of the context you're throwing him in, is going to be very good. I do yeah. wonder... On the flip side to what we were just talking about with Luca, like with Trey, he gets a guy who's a little bit more ball dominant. Maybe Zion gets in there. Like, are you turning the team over to Zion? And Trey is kind of off the ball more. He's he's more like running around screens. I think that's like something that he could do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then like you're you're changing him in a little way. So it, it'll be interesting to go forward. I think the other guy that I would throw out here is just Jaron Jackson Jr. He has season cut short, 58 games uh, this year, but he seemed to be like the prototypical big uh, for the future of the NBA. I don't think he'll ever get the same sort of celebrity that Luca or Trey will get just because of the way he plays, but I just think everything he does fits the modern NBA. Team situation is really a bummer there going forward. That's the other big thing. They're probably going to lose Mike Conley eventually. Now, it might mean more opportunities for him, and maybe he yeah. can grow as an offensive player. Maybe like he gets a little bit more uh, kind of a face-up game or like ball handling mm-hmm. to throw in there to go with what is essentially like a, a 3 and D center position at this point, but... We'll see. Marvin Bagley, also another guy. And like pretty much like uh, we were talking about all rookie teams yesterday, Paul and I were in the office, which is a really cool thing to talk about on a Wednesday. Um, <laughs> it's it's packed this year because if yeah. you talk about the three guys we talked about for rookie of the year, Luca Trey and DeAndre Ayton, and then you throw in Bagley and Jackson, like that's probably one of the best five we've had in like yeah, a really long a really time. Good class. And then the guys that you're leaving out, if you wanted to knock Bagley and Jackson because of their games played, you have the two Clippers. Yeah, SGA we got to talk about them because like they've been Shamit. really good. And right. they are on a playoff team, which, you know, that's not all due to them directly, but they have a hand in that. Like Shamit's been really good. And SGA has sort of like leveled off in the, in the second half, but he's still starting and sort of carrying that, not carrying that team, but being their point guard. Yeah, he's shooting 42% from three, which is tied for 14th. I expected it to be higher, to be honest. Um, I could see Shaman being one of those guys who, when we look back at this draft, we're like, oh, he's taken with the 26th pick. Yeah. He's you know, like deal. it was ridiculous. Yeah. I think yeah. we're, we can already say that yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. 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 And then um, SGA doesn't have the numbers per se, but he started 66 games, which is pretty incredible for a rookie on a playoff team. Like, I can't remember the last time that's happened especially considering how much he handles the ball and how big he is on defense for that team. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, most improved player. Kevin O'Connor wrote about this on the ringer the other day. I think he did uh, an interesting job of just like pretty much breaking down the possible candidates based on how we perceive the awards. Another one where it's kind of like eye of the beholder, like what do you really value and what does this award mean to you? I think there's a pretty clear winner here. Do you Pascal. guys agree? Our guy, Pascal? Yeah, it has to be. Paolo? Yeah. He's, in a lot of ways, the easy choice, too. And, like, the same way, like, Giannis makes a lot of sense. Like, I think Pascal is, fits that bill because he he's not just improving his numbers. He's taking on a bigger role, which I think plays into it. Yeah, but this is not in any way a knock to the other two guys that you suggested, Darren Fox and Buddy Heald, because they've been incredible. But it's just that... Uh, I think that this does factor in with like Raptors success mm-hmm. because he's had such a hand in it. Yeah. I mean, especially with all you the can injuries. Say, you can say with the same for those two on the Kings, but the Raptors are like the second best team in the East. Yeah. And they've had all these injuries. They've been shuffling Kawhi in another lineup, depending on his rest days. Kawhi, um, Kyle Lowry has been just banged up a bunch of times, especially when yeah. certain Knicks go like fall on him and he has to miss a few games. Um, yeah, Pascal, it's just, I think this is a surprise factor. Like, I've never seen a rookie, or excuse me, a, a, like a, a guy, a third-year guy just kind of make this big of a leap, and you just didn't well, see it coming. Like, with Buddy, he was a lottery pick, and we thought, even though he struggled at times, especially in New Orleans, like, we kind of knew that he had the pedigree, whereas Pascal just kind of 
not only came out of nowhere, but he took two years to get there. Like last year, we were talking about him specifically only in the context as LeBron James chum. Well, you know who his trajectory reminds me of is Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. And like the surprise factor and that his defense has been solid from the start. And then we just have seen this insane offensive growth. I mean, it really reminds me of him. And honestly, and like then you heard the talk where it's like the Raptors shouldn't even be that bummed out if they lose Kwai because they have a baby Kwai on their team. <laughs> Those Raptors fans, <laughs> they are on one. That, that's the pivot. That's the pivot you have. You're gonna have to make if if he goes. Like, oh yeah, we it's all, it's all good. We have a mini Kawhi right here. Team Pascal. Yeah, there you go. It is interesting how much like he handles the ball for that team. Like just because he's like a he's like a giant. He's like mini Giannis in a little way where it's like this, yeah. this big old guy is right. just like kind of breaking down the defense and, and running the fast break. It's, it's really incredible to watch. Pascal needs to get in the gym. That's what <laughs> yeah. We're going to see a lot of, we're going to see like gym shots over the summer for what, sure. What specifically do you think he needs to work on? Like his core, his delts? No, no, no. I'm just saying like you could see a type, you know how Giannis turned from like a, this like scrawny kid to like now this beast. Like uh-huh. I think that's Yeah, all of a sudden he has shoulders. Yeah, that's, that's what Pascal is going to need. <laughs> shoulders. Pa- Pascal must improve. Shoulders. shoulders. <laughs> uh, Get that George Hill workout. This is turning into a Ryan Rosillo pod. <laughs> uh, yeah, just quickly on the other two guys. Uh, Deeran Fox. There's this thing that people have against second-year leaps where they pretty much discount them because like Fox w- has the elite pedigree. He was, I think, drafted fifth or something. You kind of expect a guy to, to struggle in his rookie year and then figure out in his second year, and so they automatically disqualify him. His leap is just so vast that it's so great that I think that that just doesn't count for him. He did improve things that you wouldn't expect him to improve on as well. His three-point percentage has become legitimate. Like, I, I think that's pretty yeah. much opened up their entire team. Yeah, I because do people, also, I mean, he was being called Russ. Yeah, and and so the other big thing is just like the speed that they're playing at. And right. now I do wonder it's like... system change that also help, has helped with both him and Heald's game. So how much do we credit him for that? Just being used better. Right, and I guess that's what I was saying with the honest earlier is like, even if the system changes. I don't think that should count against No, no, no. The guy. That's what I'm saying. Even if the system changes, you still have to go out there and do it. Right? You're just fighting against less things so you can be the best version of yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that's this really turned into a TED right talk there. really this is fast. A really emotional <laughs> caption material right there. <laughs> uh, the other guys that I listed here were uh, Monty Morris for the Denver Nuggets. It's a um, loaded category. It is. D'Angelo Russell, who I think is going to get a lot more love than perhaps we gave him, just mm-hmm. considering his breakthrough this year. His breakthrough, the Nets' success. Yep. Yep. Although I will say I saw uh, the Nets play the Lakers last week. I was at that game. And it's funny, like, he is legit. And he definitely went right at, like, the Lakers when that got a little heated it. at the end. But on defense, like, I was watching him as he went back on the floor. You, you can see him thinking about what he wants to do on offense the next possession while he's on defense. It's mm-hmm. like you could see the gears turning in his head. And it's, it's really fun to watch. Loves to hoop. <laughs> Loves to hoop. <laughs> Just like Paolo. I guess. <laughs> Uh, Demas Sabonis, Montrezl, or Montrell, Montrez. Montrez. I never get that right. God damn it. Montrez. Uh, Montrez. Montiero. Mon- Mon- <laughs> uh, and Giannis. Giannis took a big leap. Like, all right. We talked That's about. It's crazy that he could. He could. You could make a case for a most improved MVP and defensive player of the year. This is the Steph thing. We used to always say, like, Steph took huge leaps during those two MVP years. And, like, if you go by the definition of most improved, he has improved the most. Um, let's do the flip side of most improved now. My personal favorite, which is most washed. Oh my god! Why? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go first here because I, I I don't know. This one is particularly juicy. I have Rajon Rondo. I th- by the way, this is a loaded field. I just kind of went through all of the bad players in the NBA. My list is like 12 deep at this point. I saw Solomon Hill is on that list. That's a personal like deep cut right Solomon there. Solomon Hill. You. Listen, I love Solomon Hill. I think he's like literally one of my favorite guys in the league and this pains me to say it, but that team sucks right now and he's not even getting on the floor. He's played four games since the All-Star break. (laughs) There's no reason why he shouldn't be playing, Um, but that was one of the worst contracts signed in the league and Del Demps is no longer with us as a result of that. Rajon Rondo, on the other hand, though, minus 7.2 net rating. This is a really bad team, and yet somehow he's the worst player on a bad team. The only players with the worst net rating are Reggie Bullock and Mike Muscala, two of their like key pickups at the trade deadline. <laughs> Amazing. Both of whom did Good not work. work whatsoever. Good work. Uh, and our guy, ringer favorite, Mo Wagner. Uh, 
pretty bad. And defensively, as I was talking to people around that team uh, when I was at the game the other day, just like it's hard to pretend like he's even passable on defense anymore. And that was kind of like the unspoken secret with the Pelicans. Like, yeah, some of the numbers may look okay, but like if you watch Rondo in a game, he's like totally washed on defense. It's just based on reputation. Yeah. I still think like he's he's right on a good team, and I definitely wish he had stayed in New Orleans just to see that situation yeah, that through, just based on all the success they had in the playoffs. But he is washed. He'd have so much less on him next to Drew, too. Yeah, Drew's a monster. He did. I mean, we can't ignore the fact that all of his flaws and and or aging has been highlighted this year by the fact that he's on the Lakers who right. need him to be old Rajon. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The, the, the Lakers mess is like highlighted or accentuated his his own, you know, deficiencies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So he's, I think it's maybe a, that's a good candidate for sure. For me, it's Isaiah Thomas, yeah. which is really sad because this category mm-hmm. can be hilarious, but that's, I mean, it's just really sad, but it's completely him. He's, he's virtually unplayable. Yeah. That's a rough one. Yeah, it's tough and it's sad. They basically they had to take him out of the lineup, but they they tried it for a little bit. It just didn't work, and I don't know where he goes from here. I I don't think there is an option. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Orlando like is desperate for a point guard, <laughs> yeah. but even hey. Michael Carter Williams, I don't know if you guys have seen, pretty good, like pretty good. <laughs> I'm not I'm not kidding. Anything could happen I, I in like a ten day contract. That. No, he, he's been okay. Sure. Orlando about to make the playoffs, baby. Um, all right, Paolo, who do you have? Uh, I would... No, see, I can't say Dirk because, like, you can't say Dirk because... Even no, he's though, washed. He, okay. he should not be playing. Yeah, but there is an endearing uh, wash, if you will. <laughs> it, it, it's like... It's a oh, yeah. wash. It's a perm press? Yeah, it's, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's not really like a true, true wash situation. I mean, maybe it is, but... Be, because it's, also he's supposed to be washed. Yeah, that's the thing too, is like... Whereas if you're like Rondo and IT are not supposed it, to... Like, yeah. I'm all for it. I guess Dirk might have gone through the spin cycle last year. That's when he he entered into the wash zone. Right, yeah. whereas now it's very clear, but it's but like I said, it's endearing because right. it's like you're just on your way out. Like He's a mascot, basically, is what you're saying. <laughs> I don't want to put that word on it, but sure. Yeah, the other guys I, I listed here, Cristiano Felicio, <laughs> we, were talking about, <laughs> we were talking about yesterday. Again, another guy who cannot get on the court, even though his team is terrible, uh, Solomon Hill. Avery Bradley, who had a little bit of a moment with the Grizzlies and played a little bit better, but I think overall, uh, he's probably not full wash, but he's definitely like teetering on the washed line. Uh, Pau Gasol and LeBron. Jesus Christ. All right. We're moving on. That's so disrespectful. Um, and then the two guys that don't that don't really count are Martian Gortat and Carmelo Anthony, both of whom are no longer in the league, so I don't even think they count. They have since been washed. Uh, and surprisingly not washed, as I jotted down, Vince Carter. I would also go Dwayne Wade. Not washed? No. Yeah, that's a good one. Not, not at all. Uh, not wash. I he love, could he could play like three more years. He keeps saying that. <laughs> like three, three is a little much. I feel no, like, he could play three more. He could play three more years. I've never seen a player who's so good at being his own publicist than Dwayne Wade. He's like coming up with t-shirts with like Bleacher Report about his like r- like retirement tour. Yeah, and it, he's just it's like been quite the. I mean, operation. he's trading jerseys the, every the jerseys, game. Yeah, I I love it. The hair change. It's you know I, go out on top. With a hairline. <laughs> Still intact. There you go. That's what we'll remember most about him is his, his strong hairline. Uh, all right. The the other one that we did here in, in kind of the other awards uh, zone is the Skeleton Key Award. So it's the player who kind of unlocks everything for your team. Similar, I guess. No, not necessarily most improved. Or, I, it's it's, a, its own thing. We, I guess P.J. Tucker is the prime example of this last year. A guy who if they didn't have him in there being able to play center, kind of being able to switch on to a bunch of guys, being the defensive force that he is, uh, you wouldn't probably have the same success around Harden. Um, the guy I have here is Brook Lopez. I think is an interesting one just because like it allows Giannis. You could pick much, a couple guys on that team. You could, I think Brook in particular, he was kind of the one that unlocked Giannis's full potential. Uh, not only on defense where he's kind of that big body that allows Giannis to freelance in a lot of ways that, uh, Miritich allowed Anthony Davis to freelance last year. Um, I, I just think, and offensively, yeah. If he could, if he wasn't able to get out of the way on offense, it'd be a completely different team. Right. We would probably spend most of the first half of this season harping on Giannis's lack of a, a jump shot, 
instead we it, we kind of allowed him to figure that out on the fly and now he's at a point where it's respectable mm-hmm. um brooke also pretty much like he'd gone from wash zone with the lakers where everyone goes to be washed uh to a guy who's revived his career and looks like he could play a couple more years simply just by being giant and standing there and shooting threes uh some of the other guys i had down here jj reddick just as like the the fifth guy on that offense although you could argue that maybe he's like the problem on right, defense. Right, right. So I don't know if that one fits. Nikola Vucevic. Uh, he's just, an all-star, man. Can't give him the skeleton key. Fringe. Yeah, it, it gets into the zone where it's like, do you really want to reward like the best player on the team too as the guy who unlocks it? Because right. I also have Rudy Gobert down here and he Rudy's really a good one, yeah. he unlocks that entire defense. Uh, and Justice Winslow, another guy, he's hurt recently, but they pretty much had him as a point guard and these yeah. kind of like no point guard lineups that they're throwing think, out there in Miami. Patrick Beverly fits this a little bit. That's a good too. one. That's because a good one. It's not just statistical wise or whatever, but he's also like he brings a certain level of energy that a team like the Clippers, where everybody is sort of at the same level or a similar level, is not really like a star. You kind of need somebody to bring it all together and and, and elevate the team as a whole, just from an energy standpoint. And I think he does that. So I think that that's another one. Let's move on to our last one. Uh, this is Coach of the Year. This is a pretty heated race. I think the the obvious choice is Budenholzer simply because of the difference between uh, our guy Joe Prunty to now <laughs> with, where the Bucks went from the eighth seed and, and first round chum to essentially the best team in the NBA. Uh, I think that's a pretty obvious one where you can just like trace it back to the system. And I think he's probably the guy who's going to end up winning here. Um, other guys, I jotted down Doc Rivers, Nate McMillan, Mike Malone, and Dave Yeager. That would be my ballot, and I would list them in that order. Right. Doc and Nate are on the same Yeah. On Doc the same the tier same for kinda. me. And that's but why probably Bud it's, wins it's it. It's Holder, yeah. yeah. Just because, simply between, because the team's been more successful. Mm. Which, Mike, I mean, that's great. You ended yeah. up with Giannis. I think Mike Malone definitely, like in any other year, would, would win that easily. You know, it's like just taking a team that missed the playoffs last year uh, and then... I don't know. This is like a huge jump for them to the second seed, you know? Yeah, that that's a big leap. Um, the, the case for Doc, obviously, is also not only had did the Clippers pretty much exceed expectations, but they've also been changing the team on the fly. So that's also... Changing the front office, too. So, you know, him yeah, having, right. the, having to step down. It's almost like, yeah. I don't know how much we should give him credit for because it's basically like he, <laughs> he's doing less work. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> Or focusing. True. It's like, if you just told I me... I think we should give him credit because usually the guy just gets outright fired. That's yeah, true. SVG, Tom, S- survival. But Doc was able to be like, "No, remember, I'm a, I'm a good coach. <laughs> Let me do. I'll my take thing. a step back." And he's at the point now where like he's having to fend off offers or alleged offers yeah. and from interest the Lakers from the other side of of the Staples Center. God, imagine how hard he'd be hated if he switched over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like the Clippers fan, there aren't enough to like really, really track him no, down. No, but that no, but that would bring club. hatred from around the league. Fans would really resent that. Wouldn't be the first time anything he did associated like with the Lakers right now. Fans are going to resent if it's like poaching. At the same time, if you can't poach, sure. But at the same time, if I, if, <laughs> you can't poach. Halo you can't poach. I mean, <laughs> after like poach. this Anthony Davis thing, like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Poach. Poach. <laughs> to poach or not to poach. Paolo is pro poaching. Um, yeah, but I, I think ultimately Bud is is that one. For sure. All right. I think I think that's a good place to wrap it up there. Uh, we'll be back next week, as always. Uh, until then, from Haley, Paulo, Bobby, and myself. We'll see you next time. Basketball is very good. Basketball is very good.